0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth.
0: with another episode of the Bully Ball Podcast on Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez. Steph, love the hat, no hair today, but (laughs) I wanted to ask you a question. The game on Sunday, and I was literally just talking to Rob about this, the game on Sunday was boring. Boring is good sometimes, right? Like, there's no real, like, but it was very boring. Like, I I feel like after the Niners went up 17, uh, nah. When they went up 17 nothing, I was like, I don't care anymore. This game's done. Like, I literally was just, like, walking around, don't even care. But I wanted to ask you something because the 49ers dominated. The 49ers played well in almost all three facets of the game. And then they have no injuries. Is it a little too quiet around here now? Like, is is, (laughs) it, like – What are we mad about? Where's the dagger going to come from? Who's going to pull the rug out from under us – why did things go so perfectly and why am I nervous about things going perfectly because things never go perfectly?
1: This, it, it was definitely weird. I wasn't expecting this to happen, especially like when you look at everything that happened around the NFL in week one. It was a very weird week, like teams that you would have never thought would have lost, ended up losing or were close to losing. It was weird. But the 49ers are, and the Cowboys, those are like the only two teams, at least in the NFC, that we could say confidently look like the top two teams right now. So I think that's good for the 49ers that they were able to start on the right foot because we talked so much about the slow starts. And here we are looking at the rest of the league starting slow. And the 49ers like already got ahead of everyone else pretty much.
0: Yeah. And that's really good that you brought that up too because. Kyle Shanahan's offense took off right away. I mean, after they scored mm. the first drive, like, it just felt like, oh, wow, this feels a little bit different. But, Steph, not only starting fast, Kyle Shanahan going for it on fourth down? Dude, who
1: is what? he? What? No,
0: what? That... Who is this guy? What is going on?
1: That that was very exciting for me. And not it's not just the fact that he went for it on fourth down. He didn't call a QB sneak. He didn't call a run up the middle. He passed it and that to me like tells me that he has a lot of trust in Brock Purdy and his ability to execute the offense. You know, it was a pretty uh, simple toss out there to George Kittle to pick that up and that was a good play. But I think it just goes to show that I think Kyle Shanahan's ready to add some new wrinkles into this offense and I think it's because of what Brock Purdy, you know, gives you and what he's available to do in this offense he gives you just a little bit extra than we've seen any 49ers quarterback under Kyle Shanahan have now I'm really excited because if he's gonna start going for it on fourth down watch out the rest of the league you're done
0: yeah I uh, that really got me excited I was like all right this is this is (laughs) right off the bat too yeah right off the fourth fourth and one and he's just like get back out there I I was just like (laughs) man and again I, I do think you're right I think it has a lot to do with Brock Purdy so we might as well just start there After everything all offseason and the uncertainty of what you were going to get from Brock Brock Purdy based on the UCL injury and everything, if you would have told me that Brock Purdy was a six, seven-year veteran, I would have believed you. And there's a certain calmness from him that just permeates through the screen, and you can see it Mm -hmm. all over, and it goes through the team. We were literally talking about earlier, you know, what it was like with Jimmy Garoppolo before right and there was always kind of this feeling of well we've got to get the one throw out of the way the one bad throw or we've got to we've got to you know get past a little bit of struggle like there never feels like there's ever a time where Brock is out of control or you're waiting for a bad throw and the fourth and one call kind of encapsulates Kyle Shanahan's confidence Mm -hmm. in him and the way that this game started was the 49ers didn't go out there and just run 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 the football. The play discrepancy was far closer to pass. And this is with T.J. Watt on the other side. But that's all because of confidence in Brock Purdy. And then he rewards that confidence by playing the way that he did. Maybe one throw, the the Patrick Peterson throw, maybe that one throw. And we're going to get to him in a little bit too. (laughs) That one throw might be the one that you're just like, okay, that was a little bit bad. But when you're looking at him, navigate the pocket keep his eyes downfield and then throw the ball where only his receiver can get it you know even when you're rolling to the wrong side and throwing across your body to Debo Samuel you still put it in a place where only Debo was going to get it it was never going to be in harm's way I I, I, I don't know what to say I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with Brock Purdy man I'm not sure how anybody could have watched that game and walked away with anything negative to say about his performance
1: Exactly. Like I'm tired of people disrespecting my QB. I like, I'm so tired of casuals or I don't know if they're trolls at this point, probably trolls, but there's a lot of people who talk like Purdy isn't raw and I don't mean raw, like Trey Lance raw. I mean, raw, like he's him. Like he's, he's got ice in his veins. Um, He's got something like intangible that you just, you just have to see to understand. And I think most 49er fans see it and they understand it shout out you know mike parsons too because he had some pretty good things to say about um you know brock purdy as well so he sees it um but you know that's our point right there like mike qb has kyle shanahan going forward on fourth down calling a pass play on fourth and one um so i think that tells you right there like it's not just us who sees it you know kyle shanahan this coaching staff sees it And the stats that Purdy finished with don't exactly jump off the page at you, but there are two plays to me that really stood out on Sunday. Um, There was a play where he, where he had Minka Fitzpatrick coming off the edge as a free rusher. Uh, He waits until Minka was like just right in front of him to spin out to his left and pretty much leave him hanging. He keeps his eyes up field. He finds Debo. He's just a savvy football player. And it looks like he's just having fun out there. So he's very comfortable and I'm comfortable watching him. It's the same as when I watched him last year, right? Uh, The other throw that really stood out was, of course, the back shoulder throw uh, to IUK in the front corner of the end zone. That was perfectly placed where only IUK could get it because Patrick Peterson was on IUK, like white on rice. Um, Excellent coverage. Not good enough to get an interception on that one, uh, but... You're not gonna get one on my QB, not not in week one. But <laughs> that's a we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. More on that in a bit. But like I watched uh, Jimmy Garoppolo play, and like the reason that I keep bringing up Jimmy Garoppolo, like I it's not it's not because I want to bash on Garoppolo, cause but he's he's,
0: a, his traits are are a little bit more similar to to Brock Purdy.
1: So yeah, they're similar. But like I watched Jimmy Garoppolo play, and I watched him in that game, uh, and he pretty much won the game for the Raiders at the end there. So. You know, good for him with his legs. Yeah. he learned a little bit from Brock Purdy. That's what I would say. But um, when I watch Jimmy Garoppolo play and he can complete a pass, but what happens before that, I'm uncomfortable watching him because he's like, he's tiptoeing, you know, he, he looks uncomfortable. Right. So that's the difference between watching, you know, Garoppolo versus Brock Purdy is I, I have a lot of trust watching, Brock Purdy play, and I know that he's going to make a good decision with the football. So, no knock on Jimmy. It's just that, you know, I think they're very similar players, but I think that the difference to me is Brock Purdy's limitations don't necessarily hurt the 49ers. And he does the little things, you know, a little bit extra that is able to take this team, I think, to another level. Like we've seen it already. And I think KP said that like the 49ers have a QB who passes at the singles and he's going for the doubles, you know, and that's what you're seeing in in this offense and how it's kind of evolved to, you know, better plays and Kyle Shanahan calling better plays as well. So maybe Kyle's calling the same plays and like, they just look better because they finally has a quarterback who can execute it better. Um, but yeah, that's the Brock Purdy effect. And, I think he's, he's really just scratching the surface. He's only going to get smarter as a football player. Um, so, you know, I think it's only up from here.
0: And the thing is, is anybody who has anything negative to say right now is either standing on a narrative that they want to be true about or they are just being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. I mean, I, objectively, I'm not sure how you could watch that game and be not impressed by Brock Purdy. I mean, really, seriously. Like, anyone who's dialed in at all with any sort of football sense there's no way you could have watched that game and said, well, there wasn't enough zip on that pass to Brandon Ayuk on Patrick Peterson, or I don't know, you know, he had one drop interception. It's like, come on, man, in a game where the 49ers scored 30 points, again, with Brock Purdy, again, uh, you all of a sudden now have to find a way to just t- try to downplay that. It's ridiculous, man. Again, I-, I don't understand. I was thoroughly impressed by the young man. Feels good. And I think it's, that's really what I was telling you earlier when we started the show is when the ball leaves the screen from Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, you're praying that there's not a defender on the other side. I don't ever get that yeah. sense when it's with Brock Purdy. I never get that sense that there's a defender waiting for that thing to hit him in the stomach. I never see that. And he looks comfortable in the pocket. His feet are glued to the pocket, but when he needs to move, he moves with his eyes downfield and he puts the ball in places. The, the throw to Debo Samuel, like that was the one that really got me because you you know, if any quarterback coach that's watching that is probably like, no, 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 no. Oh, OK, yes. You know, like you're, you're not supposed to move in that direction and throw the ball that way. But you put it in a spot where Debo went up and got it. And that's based on skill set. You know Debo's going to fight and go get the ball. You know that you have to put it up a little bit higher. And you do that and you let your playmakers make plays. OK. It's time. I want to start this off by saying Patrick Peterson is a Hall of Famer. And I got into an argument yesterday on Twitter about this, even though I was thoroughly frying this, this man um, on, on the timeline during the game. Patrick Peterson is not a hall of famer. Stop it. In what world is he not a hall of famer? Like let's, let's, let's settle down. We can have our fun, but let's be objective. Patrick Peterson is a hall of famer. Patrick Peterson almost had an interception. Patrick Peterson was in perfect position. I love the alliteration because he has the two Ps to pick off that pass and, and and be in the spot with Brandon IU. Patrick Peterson hopping his backwood though. That first touchdown was gross. And Brandon Ayuk, who this is all tied to directly because he was being petty after the game as well, too. Brandon Ayuk is challenging his outside leverage so much that he gives him one step and Patrick Peterson is touching grass. And then he's wide open for a touchdown. So, yeah, we've had our fun with Patrick Peterson. You should have probably kept your mouth shut because I want to be honest, and I got a lot of this. A lot of people didn't even know that Patrick Peterson played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They found out after he opened his mouth on a podcast. They didn't even know. The only reason they know is because you said what you said. You could have avoided all of this. Confidence is great. But where were these tells at? Oh, yeah, they, we still had the tells, but we couldn't execute. So you could so you knew what was coming and you couldn't do anything about it. You're not helping yourself, buddy.
1: Right. That looks but, that sounds worse. That sounds
0: worse. <laughs> I would have just said, hey man, they changed things up. Stop um,
1: talking.
0: <laughs> but for me. It's just it's just so sweet. And I I love this. I want Rob to run this back one more time. Rob, can you run it back to after the the, after the the catch? Here we go. This is what I want to show you. So Purdy drops back. He lets it go. IU catches it. Look at the other DB. It's all right, buddy. Taps him on the head like it's all right, buddy. You'll get him next time. Didn't even like he's just like it's all right, man. You know, it, it happens. He got you. That is a thing of beauty, man. Patrick Peterson hopping his backwood, bud.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, 10 games played against the Kyle Shanahan 49ers and he has zero interceptions in those games. So I don't know what the tell of this offense is, but somebody needs to tell Patrick Peterson to keep looking because my quarterback and, and my B.A. made you look silly. And again, like this is why you shouldn't be talking before game day. Like it's it's week one. There's there's no reason to like be talking like. You're going to do all this and that. You really don't know. There's so much parody in the NFL to begin with, as we saw in week one, based on all the other games. But just keep your mouth shut. And he got some nerve, too, because he really said after the game, it was there. I had an opportunity to get two picks. I just didn't grab it in. Okay, man. But the 49ers defense were pumped that they had Bosa back. This offense put that Peterson quote, I think, on their bulletin board. And, you know, before the game, Purdy was asked about the quote. And with a smirk, he kind of just said, we'll see. And I think because Purdy doesn't need to say anything. He lets his game do the talking. And what did we see on Sunday? His game did the talking, which is and, and you know, Purdy saying we'll see. That's like the, the white boy version of bet. So, like, it was over after that. We knew what was going to happen in that game on Sunday. Ayuk and Purdy made Patrick Peterson eat his words. Like, like Miss Trenchbull made that fat kid eat that chocolate cake and Matilda. And we were all watching. So Patrick Peterson, Matilda. maybe next time. No talking for you.
0: <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen Matilda, but I, I no? love that reference. No. And that's, that's what they, like the kids got, the chocolate got a chocolate all over Come his on. face. Yeah. I don't know, man. A- Avery just wants to watch the same things over and over. Um, but just yeah.
1: Like
0: yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. But I did want to get to this uh, real quick. Okay, oh, my God. How did he How have did this he pulled up? How did he pull
1: that up? up so fast?
0: So, Rob, I, I wanted to talk about uh, the other stuff, too. Rob, pull up the, the video of Brock Purdy in the press conference because him and Brandon Ayuk has something to say about it. They were asked about it. like, And I I, I live for being petty. I live for it. Play, play the clip, Rob.
1: The second touchdown on the right side, the the deep ball. Is that on Patrick Peterson? Yes. Yeah. Oh so oh. subtle with it so and, subtle. And,
0: and just and just nobody asked about it. was that yeah, on Patrick Peterson it's so good it is so good was that on Patrick Peterson like yeah I thought so I, I love it I love it I live for being petty I live for telling people I told you so I live for telling people I was right I love it Brock Purdy I love it and bro- when Brandon Ayuk was asked this is a perfect time to pivot to that young man's game
1: mm-hmm. when
0: Brandon Ayuk was asked Was it sweet to get those touchdowns on Patrick Peterson? He just smirked as well, too, and said, Yeah. So, Brandon Ayuk, look, eight 129 2 touchdowns. You could say what you want about contract year. You can say what you want about him trying to get paid. What I'm watching is I'm watching a guy who is fully developed now and is so confident in his route running. He's so precise, knows how to set uh, cornerbacks up for what he wants to do, is open the entire time. You know what I did, Steph? It's really easy to pop on the tape and just look for the plays where Brandon Ayuk is catching the football and saying, oh, wow, cool, cool. You know what I had a blast doing and I watched two times over was watching Brandon Ayuk run routes on on balls where he the ball wasn't thrown his way. Hmm. The man is a tactician. He is growing. I I live for watching great wide receiver play and. Just because you didn't get the ball doesn't mean that you didn't run a great route. And he's every route is pristine. He knows how to set the he knows what the defense is trying to do. He knows how to set the cornerbacks up. He is someone who is completely confident, knows he's him right now. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing it like at what point? Do we start to get into a discussion about Brandon Ayuk being in a top twelve discussion, top fifteen? We are living in a, we are living in a world of wide receivers right now. That, again, no hyperbole. I believe are some of the best that's ever played this game. And I and and fine, you're gonna yell. We're about Jerry Rice. No, no, no. Listen to me. I'm talking about the collective group of all the wide receivers. I'm talking about this collective group of young wide receivers, old wide receivers. This group of wide receivers in the NFL is amongst the best that have ever played the game collectively. Listen to what I said. Not, he's not better than Jerry Bryce or Randy Moss, blah, blah, blah. I can hear it. I can hear it right now in the comments. It's not that. Collectively, the talent in this league, it's a passing offense league. Everything is a thing of beauty to watch. But Brandon Ayuk right now, you've got to stop playing with him and start putting him in that conversation with whoever at this point, just based on the way he's ascending, And should we just start to pay Brandon Ayuk stuff at this point? Like, I hate it, but I I just want to do it now at this point.
1: He he played like he wants that bag, and he should absolutely get it. 129 receiving yards. That was a career high for him. Just his fifth time going over 100 yards in his career. But I'm going to predict something. I think Ayuk's going over 100 yards in five or more games this year alone. I don't care what he's done in the past. And that's not crazy to say for the reasons that, like you mentioned, um, Jay, like the man is getting open. In the Mm -hmm. past, it was more so an an issue of the willingness to throw to him. And, like, I think that was something that we didn't see too much in the past. I would argue even at the end of last year, maybe Ayuk and Purdy's connection weren't what, like, Purdy's – it wasn't like the connection that Purdy had with some other players on this offense. But I think what we saw right off the bat in this week one game is that these two have worked at their chemistry, and it's gonna be something that we see early and often this year. So I don't think that's even a crazy prediction to make. Like I I even think like it's probably not crazy to think that the 49ers MVP of the season could be Brandon Ayuk when it's all said and done. So we'll see. He's he's that good. I mean, we we know this. Like we've we've been saying it. If the connection is real, look real on Sunday, I think this offense is going to go crazy. Finally reaching that full potential that like, we've, we've been talking about. And we talked about it in the offseason. Like Ayuk is just scratching the surface. So he is getting back next offseason. Ladies and gentlemen, be ready. Caught all of his eight targets, two touchdowns. He cooked Patrick Peterson at the goal line for a second touchdown. Um, yeah. Oh, no, no. Sorry. That was the first touchdown. And then on the second one, Showed that great chemistry with uh, Purdy. Um, And that was good ball control, too. Yeah, it was a great thrown ball by Purdy. Hit it right in the basket. But Ayuk had to get both of his feet down. He had good body control. We already mentioned Patrick Peterson was on him uh, like crazy. So, you know, good on him for getting that down. And as you mentioned, he's an all-around receiver. He can block. He can block like crazy. He had a pancake block on Christian McCaffrey' 65-yard touchdown. So that is also impressive. And Brandon Ayuk, I think, man, I'm excited. I'm excited because again, like we have a quarterback who I think is is going to be willing to throw to Brandon Ayuk. We haven't really seen that. So I think that's going to take this offense to a whole nother level.
0: Yeah. I'm just excited to see him continue to play, man. I just, it's, it's been just ascending. It's just, it's, you can track it with stats, but I prefer to track it with his routes run and the confidence and everything. And, Brennan Ayuk made it out the doghouse. So it worked for some people, it doesn't work for others, but Brennan Ayuk made it happen. We took it all, we brought them to
1: our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end. What
0: will I become? Senwa saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. I to get 30, 30, how to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, I bet you get 20, 20, I bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at
0: mintmobile.com. Um, Gammon with the donation. Uh, question one, Purdy was hit a lot. Will the right side improve or will we lose Purdy? I think... We should talk about this because everyone's worried about Colton McKibbitts. I'm not nearly as worried about him because TJ Watt dominates every single right tackle in the league. Every single one. He produces sacks at a rate that is historic. There's not a right tackle in the world that can lock up TJ Watt. And three pressures, three sacks, whatever it was, four pressures, something like that is not nearly as concerning when you look at who's across from him. The good news, 49ers fans, is this. T.J. Watt doesn't play for the other 16 teams that the 49ers will be facing. Cole McKibbs is going to have different matchups because we are living in in an era of insane edge rushers. You know, T.J. Watt puts up numbers like nobody else, and he was a menace in this game. My concern is less about him and more about Spencer Burford. And he had a worse game, in my opinion, than Colton McKibbitts did. Because Colton McKibbitts is going against T.J. Watt. Spencer Burford's PFF grade was 29.6 or something gross like that. Three penalties. He was not good in this game. He played worse than Colton McKibbitts did. But yet the onus is on Colton McKibbitts because of T.J. Watt. Cole McKivitz is not going to have to go against T.J. Watt all the time or ever again, because I don't think the Steelers is going to make the Super Bowl. But I'm much more worried about the second year player who's already been here than a guy who had to go against someone who was a generational talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I saw a lot of people after this game saying, we're sorry, Mike McGlinchy like what? what what are we doing here like it's Colt McKibbin's first game we're already apologizing to Mike McGlinchey Mike McGlinchey would have probably had the same like stats oh, as Colton McKibbin what are we doing by the way
0: Max Crosby was working him yesterday so I mean Sunday yeah. so yeah that too
1: yeah uh McGlinchey gave up six pressures uh against the Raiders so let's mm-hmm. let's not go too far here but it, Colt McKibbin's is probably like maybe like Three toughest game that he top three toughest game he's gonna have this year just based on that matchup alone. I mean T.J. Watt is a top two and he's probably number one right now. Don't don't kill me. He's probably number one right now. Well, as far hold as... on,
0: Steph. Hold on, Steph. <laughs> we know that Nick Bosa is back, and I'm sure we can pivot. You know to that yeah. and everything as yeah. well too. You know, look, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Nick Bosa, M- Micah Parsons. Yeah. F- figure out your order. It doesn't matter. Figure out your order, and 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 it does. You there's no wrong answer. But T.J. Watt literally set the sack record, and he literally continues to build on that all the time every year whenever he's on the field. The only reason you didn't hear his name last year is because he was injured. But when he's on the field, nobody can block him. No one. There's not a right tackle in the league. So if your your expectation was Colton McKibbin is going to lock up T.J. Watt, I don't know what to tell you.
1: Yeah, no, you can't use this game against Colton McKibbs. Like, you can't use this game to judge him. I mean, I understand it wasn't a good game, and it's not us making excuses for him. It's just that I think we need a larger sample size to determine what Colton McKibbs is. And using just this one game versus T.J. Watt as, like, your, you know, your base for your opinions I don't know, man, like that's, that's tough. He, yes. He allowed five pressures, three sacks quarterback hit in a hurry. Um, But I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan also mentioned there's a, there's some situations where they could have helped them out a little bit better. And so that's things I think we'll see uh, with time, just knowing what Colin McKibbs could do. But I think for the most part, like he held up well. And like in the first quarter, I would say, we didn't even really hear TJ Watt all that much as far as, um, you know, he, he did get those uh, fumbles, but I think that was more so when Brock Purdy was trying to, like, escape the pocket at that point. So, um, yeah, I'm not holding it against McKivitz. He's on notice for me. Like, it's something I'm going to keep an eye on, of course, and, and hopefully he'll have a better game this week. But, yeah, I'm, I think I'm a little more concerned about Spencer Burford. Um, three penalties, four hurries, four pressures allowed, 28.6 PFF grade. And it's not going to get any easier for Spencer Burford in week two. He has Aaron, Aaron Donald. Donald. So, uh, and I, I said this earlier on my pod, Daniel Brunskill ain't walking through that door. No, so <laughs> so Spencer Burford better get his act together. And that that could also hurt McKivitt. Like if Spencer Burford's not doing well too. So like yeah. both of those guys got to get it together. They mm-hmm. got to work in unison. And I mean, hopefully week two is better, but it is a tough matchup as well with Aaron Donald. So Um, it's just something to keep an eye on. I'm not making any judge judgments yet. Just he's on notice.
0: Another thing, Steph game script matters. If the 49ers, if the 49ers are sitting and they're drop back and they're down 20 to nothing, and they have to drop back, drop back, drop back. Yeah. Colin McKibbs is going to be in trouble, but when you're able to control the, the game flow by running the football, using play action, using misdirection, because you don't have to get away from running your offense. The 49ers didn't change anything that they had to do in this game. And they threw the ball way more than they ran it early on in this game, which showed the confidence and everything. This only becomes an issue when you become predictable in play calling. If you're down and you have to throw and throw, then you get worried about Colin the But if your offense is running and you put up 30 points and you're sitting there like, man, Colin the gave up three sacks to one of the best pass rushers of all time. What what are we doing? Like, it, it doesn't really make sense right. to me. Like it is, it its It's never going to be a situation where the 49ers are going to be down 20 to nothing. You're still going to be able to dictate the game flow. You're still going to be able to do whatever you want to do with with your offense, provided that everybody's there. So until it becomes a problem, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. I'm way more concerned about a guy who was here last year in Spencer Burford than I am Cole McKibbitt, who literally went up against a generational pass rusher. Um, Kevin Dennis says, thoughts on Niners working out?
1: Ian Book. Cares, I didn't even man. see that. I guess yeah, the, who, I, I, who
0: cares, who cares man? man? Who cares, man? cares, <laughs> man? Hey, hopefully hopefully hey, we maybe, don't have to see any other quarterback besides uh, Brock Purdy.
1: Hey, maybe this means they're trading Sam Darnold to the Jets. I don't know. I just, <sighs> It's just an idea. Can we do that? <laughs> but I don't know. In all seriousness, they might just want a quarterback for their practice squad. Like, I don't know.
0: I mean, what happened to Brandon Allen? Brandon Allen is so huh. good. Ian Book is not good. Emergency QB, pal. Emer- emergency QB seven. What they were getting seven more in here. Like, my God, how many he's you supposed to keep? Um, all right. So, uh, we talked about that. We talked about the offensive line. I'm not nearly as worried about Cole McKivitz. Uh, I'm much more worried about Spencer Burford though, because he's actually been here and I expect a little bit more of him. One thing that you could say about M- um, McGlinchey and Burford was that they were very much, um, good at communicating on stunts and they were very good at passing them off. That's the little stuff that you that you can work on. Maybe that was a little bit of what's going on. So um, there's 16 games left. Stop crowning the Super Bowl champions. I, have we even said Super Bowl champions yet? Stuff. Nah, no. No? I don't think we've even said the word <laughs> Super Bowl. Okay. All right. I just thought it was me. Okay. Um, so defense. I mean, this is the thing. It's like when the 49ers jump out to a 17-0 lead, you're watching how the defense plays, and the Pittsburgh Steelers had one more yard than you and I. <laughs> and we didn't even play um they had
1: negative at one point yeah
0: they, it, sure. it, it was bad um Trent Williams even had like one of the funniest quotes you're kind of hoping they get a first down because we were tired of just <laughs> going back out there over and over and it's just like they, you could tell this team was like taking it as a joke like as the game was going on like I, I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a bad team but there's nah. a significant gap between these two teams and that's really where it's at but, but
1: that's that that's how the the game should have been played though right like mm-hmm. you have a team that the 49ers are the top 3 roster in the NFL and you have the Steelers who are clearly like you know a few notches below that several notches below that and so yeah we were kind of concerned going into this game i think for you know some of the reasons Like, oh, it was going to rain, it's on the road, it's an early start, Kyle Shanahan always starts slow, all those things, right? We thought that would maybe make it a little more even game, but, like, the 49ers and this defense played exactly how you would have expected them to, right? Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm thankful that they played like they were supposed to right off the bat, and it started in that very first defensive drive. I don't know why the Steelers even decided to get the ball first. Like, what were they doing? They, they set themselves up on that one, and, and that, was a, that was a little risky on their part, and we saw right off the bat what happened.
0: So the defensive line, everyone's going to love what Drake Jackson did. But I love it. how you judge this defensive line is kind of a litmus test of do you know ball. Okay, let me explain. Dre Jackson gets the three sacks, and you're enamored with that because three sacks in a game, he ties his he tied his whole season total. Do you know who I thought was the most dominant player on the on the defensive line?
1: I think I know who you're gonna say?
0: Eric Armstead, and he yes. didn't have a sack. He didn't have a QB hit. Nothing. This is your litmus test to see if you know ball. The middle of the line was collapsing every single time him and Hargrave were next to each other. They're running stunts where Armstead is flying through the gap. Literally Drake Jackson's first sack was Eric Armstead breaking through a double team, being tackled and flushing Kenny Pickett out so Drake Jackson can be there and get him. This is the age old question. Pressures or sacks. You love sacks because you finish. But sacks can be had by you just being in the right position and being flushed out. We need to start having a discussion about Eric Armstead again. And I don't want to hear about how much money he's making. I don't want to hear about he got no sacks for this amount of money. Let's watch the games. Let's actually look at who's creating the pressure. And Drake Jackson, if he had a bonus for getting three sacks in a game, he owes half that money to Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave.
1: Yeah, there's something about like interior defensive linemen being able to get pressure and being able to collapse the pocket that is so much more effective than I than pass rushers or edge rushers because edge rushers you know they're gonna they're gonna go on the sides and it creates like this little this little pocket a a circle if you will and when the interior guys and I'm thinking about Eric Armstead if they go through the interior like the quarterback has to react to that they have to move if uh, most of the time like edge rushers come around quarterback could step up a little bit but when interior guys get that pressure there's nowhere to step up you have to move around and that's where it creates opportunities for the edge rushers to get their sacks because oh look you just walked right into a sack of the edge rusher right so we saw plenty of that in this game I mean Hargrave had a number of pressures as well so the interior guys being able to do what they do is going to make a huge difference. And it's a, it's a collective unit. Like this entire defensive line helps each other out. They all eat. Like it's incredible what they're able to do together. Eric Armstead is, is no different as any of these guys, just because he doesn't get the sacks. He's still very effective on this team and on this defensive line. So yeah, it's a huge asset for this defensive line. And one thing that we didn't see so much in this game that, I was kind of expecting because we talked about Steve Wilkes and how he has like the higher blitz rate and um, than we've seen in the past. But I didn't really see any blitzes, and he didn't have to blitz because the he has this quarter, defensive a line.
0: In the first quarter, it was a little bit that they blitzed more, but once they were getting with once they were getting home with four, you don't yeah, have to like, do you that don't need anymore. To,
1: exactly, you don't need to do anything. So I, that's the that's the benefit of having this. Defensive line in particular, and being able to have these four guys who could get to the quarterback, who could create disruption in the pocket, and that opened things up for any everything else. So, man, like Steve will is going to have a lot of fun with this defensive line, and I'm having fun watching them. I mean, we, I, I know that Drake Jackson, even despite him getting the three sacks, like it seems like he was a bit of an afterthought, just because everyone on this defensive line ate. Nick Bosa, of course, was the talk going into this one. He played 35 snaps. Um, he was still the 49ers' highest-graded defender in PFF. He With had three pressures. Yeah, he, he had three pressures. He forced a holding penalty. So he, he was getting it done, too. And that's coming off of barely any practice going into this game. So props to him. But would you believe me if I told you that Drake Jackson had less snaps than Nick Bosa? And he had 28, sacks. 28 snaps and 28. He, he was used exclusively on passing downs five pressures three sacks two hurries three stops um he's tied with tj watt right now for the league lead in sacks with three yeah, right so i mean that that's pretty impressive i mean for all the things that we wondered about drake jackson and even clinton farrell who clinton farrell had a pretty solid game as well he let's did. not forget about him he did um so both of those guys were kind of question marks going into the season. We we're like, oh, man, I don't know. I, I'm not trusting this edge depth right now. It's a lot of just a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And I think based on what we saw in this game, I feel pretty confident about both of those guys right now and the entire defensive line as a whole.
0: Yeah, and I love that Rob posted that that video of Fred Warner flying through and, and smashing uh, Najee Harris in the hole. Uh, listen, uh, <laughs> this is the thing right here. Javon Kinlaw is occupying two blockers that opens that up. Again, Javon Kinlaw is not going to get credit for that, but Javon Kinlaw is the reason that that is open for Fred Warner to fly right through. So I again like you look at the numbers, sacks are it's a, it's a bottom line league. It's a it's a very much like what have you done? What's your production? But look at this. Look at look at how this this defense has the defensive line has a cascading effect on everything. It's mm-hmm. kind of what we were talking about with Nick Bosa, who, you know, obviously is going to be fine. He's going to play play the full complement of snaps, of, as Kyle Shanahan said, you know, next week. But the effect of him being there means now you've got to pay attention to Bosa. Now you're going to leave Armstead and Hargrave by themselves and you can't pay attention to both those guys. And now there's someone else who has a chance to eat. All of these things have a cascading effect, and that is just the effect of how good this defensive line is. Nick Bosa went even as far as – I don't know if I would say that right now after week one. He said that he feels that this defensive line could be better than the one in 2019. That remains to be seen. That's crazy. That's very tough. That's very yeah. tough. But it was and, – and, and listen, let's also be fair. The Steelers' offensive line is all right. It's okay. You know, like it's not – It's fair, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not like the best. But when you're that dominant – NFL offensive line shouldn't be pushed around that way, no matter how good or bad. Like, that was just something to to be seen. So, um, yeah, the defensive line is going to be the crux of how this defense goes. But there are other things on this team that are different, right? Fred Warner's covering people down the field. The coverage was clamps on the back end (laughs) as well, too. So it's like, even when Kenny Pickett maybe had a second, if you have to hold that ball for another .6, .7 seconds, that's when that pass rush is going to get to you. There is a little bit of a combination of Pass rush, coverage sack, all of that stuff. It's just Mm -hmm. a sign of a great defense all around in this one. And for all the talk about, well, the Steelers uh, had five drives. They were perfect. Kenny Pickett said, well, it seems like this 49ers defense is a little bit better than what we face in the preseason. A little bit better?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
0: (laughs) A little bit better? But speaking of Fred Warner, that hit on Najee Harris was huge. Kind of felt like kind of felt like it took the air out of the Steelers. And it's just like, man, you guys are you guys are getting bullied now in your own stadium, which is very tough to do against the Mike Tomlin team, I, I also want to make sure I say. But almost has a pick six in this game. He's literally the reason who Funga gets a pick. Is there anything Fred Warner can't do at this point? And, and why is it that we are still amazed by him, you know, week after week when he plays? It's just, what else needs to be said about Fred Warner at this point?
1: There there really isn't much like I know I put him in as like a topic to talk about, but we're going to keep it brief with Fred because like, this is what he does every single game every single week. His production, I think, shows up and sometimes we do forget about how special he is as a player because he does it so often and he's so consistent. But yeah, he's up there, um, of course, with Willis and Bowman and he's better than Bowman, I think, it, it, already at this point in his man. career, like, what?
0: <laughs> Nothing. That's just hard. It's just hard, man. It is oh, hard.
1: It is hard because yeah. I think, like, Willis and Bowman hold a very special place in our heart. And right now we're in a spot where we're we're seeing Fred Warner live. And so there's not that, like, nostalgia feeling that we have. With there's recency bias,
0: too, like with yes, Fred yes. Warner as well, too. I do think that we can at least discuss this, you know, and, and what I mean by discuss is where Fred Warner is in the Pantheon of 52, 53, 54, right? Um, Where are you in this? And I I do think you need to have – you need to have a few more seasons, I think. You do. That's that's
1: fair. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he's probably over Bowman already because Bowman, like, didn't play – well, Bowman probably played more years than Fred Warner has at this point, but I think Fred Warner is going to end up playing more years than Bowman did, ultimately. But, I mean – that's
0: special, though, what we're seeing on the screen. Fred Warner, exactly. Fred Warner carrying a receiver. I mean, last year he carried CeeDee Lamb up the field mm-hmm. in a divisional game, right? Like, I understand. Why did, why
1: did Pickett throw that?
0: <laughs> I don't why know. He, I don't know what Why he did he
1: throw that, man? What did he see? Because, like, I don't know. I, all I see is Fred Warner draped over Connor Hayward. That's all yeah. I see. I don't and,
0: that. and again, I, I don't feel any way for anybody who feels that he's the best uh, 49er linebacker. Like, I, I just – for me, I'm gonna give the boring take of, I just need to see a little bit more, um, mm. because I have so much respect for Willis. I can probably yeah. get on board with him being better than Bowman, but I I do not want Bowman to be disrespected, no, like that. that I mean, not, not by you. Not, I'm just saying, not by you. But, no, if our Bowman was special as well too, man. Like you know, like that's the other thing. And it's just to even be in this conversation this early in his career, it just speaks to Fred Warner's uh, dominance. And and again. We're just lucky. We're blessed. Like when it comes to being able to see, you know, literally one guy takes the next guy's place, and then you know, it, it almost felt like Chris Borland might be destined for something like that as well too. Like later on, if he kept on, he was our
1: future man. He was, yeah. I really thought <laughs> he, he was something future. as well too.
0: Yeah, but uh yeah, I mean, look, Fred Warner's incredible. um I, I think that that's something that is an understatement at this point, and we're just we're just very lucky to see him. But. I have no problem with people bringing up the discussion now because I do think it's time to talk about it. It's time to start, you know, thinking about that as well, too. And I don't feel any way for anybody who says, hey, Fred Warner's the best or Patrick Willis is the best. I think right now they're neck and neck. But you give Fred Warner two more of these years. I don't think it's going to be much more of a discussion, man. I really don't at this point.
1: How how lucky are we as 49er fans that we could even have this discussion to begin with? Like. Yeah, there's so many good uh, 49ers linebackers in our time. And it's difficult when you have guys from different eras because different eras are asked to do different things. What Fred Warner is asked to do and the type of linebacker he is is so much different than the linebacker that Patrick Willis was. So it's always difficult to do that. We have another game coming up on Sunday because it's the regular season, right? Like, we got to keep going. It's week two, L.A., SoFi Stadium. Uh, What is this I'm hearing about robots in the stands at SoFi Stadium? They can't get real fans in the building. Like, what is going on?
0: Yeah, well, you know, the marketing for this movie, The Creator, is actually pretty genius. I mean, it's uh, it's so
1: Hollywood, though. That's so L.A.
0: Well, last year, I believe it was, uh, there was a movie that came out called Smile, which I actually really enjoyed. Yes. It's a great horror film. And they had those people popping up at all the games, just smiling and super creepy. So, you know, marketing is taking itself to it, but it's much easier to make the joke that they're never going to be able to have people in the stands. That's why they need to, to pull people in here as well, too. I prefer to laugh and, and not laugh about the Rams and their, you know, you know the fact that they're not going to be able to fill their stadium because 49er fans are going to take that place over again.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I prefer to pivot real quick and laugh at the Seattle Seahawks. Can we do that real fast? Please. Okay, well, Seattle, and this may not be your fault, because it's not like you were banging your chest like, oh, we're going to win the West, you know, things like that. It's our. the Seattle Seahawks have improved, and the Foreign Honors need to watch their back. Puka Nakua, be Puka Nakua cooked you. <laughs> Kyron Williams cooked you. There was no Cooper Cup. I, I don't understand how you can have a home opener. And I know week one's weird. Fine, let's, 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 let's throw it out there. Week one's weird. Are you kidding me? The Los Angeles Rams with that team with no Cooper Cup, with Cam Akers rushing 22 times for 27 yards or something gross like that. Kyron Williams is cooking you. Pooking the cool looks like the second coming of Cooper Cup. And you mean to tell me that I need to be scared of you? This is not overreacting to week one. I'm going to tell you like this, Seattle Seahawks. I know you're watching. Don't bring that weak shit to when you play the 49ers because this game will not go that way at all. You will not have a lead in any game in which you play like that. DK Metcalf is so frustrated that he's blindside hitting a killer Weatherspoon. What happened to the- again? What happened to the Vaunted Seattle Seahawks? If you lose a game like this to the Philadelphia Eagles or, you know, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs or the, you know, even, I don't know, I I don't want to throw this out there because they didn't look so good yesterday, the Buffalo Bills, okay, the Los Angeles Rams, who people are kind of hinting at might want to tank so they could try to get Caleb Williams, the Los Angeles Rams went into your stadium. It's so hard to play in Seattle. Went into your stadium and your whole stadium was hyped up you guys are ready to go. It's loud. You got punked. What happened, Seattle? What happened?
1: And the Seahawks played the Lions in Detroit this week. Who, oh, baby, By the way, just that place is gonna be Patrick turn. Mahomes in Arrowhead. Coming off extra rest, too. There's a decent chance the Seahawks start 0-2. There's a decent chance. There's a really good chance, actually. But I'll say this about the Rams, all right? Look, I was expecting the Seahawks to improve on defense. I was expecting Geno Smith to regress this year, so that part doesn't surprise me. But their defense, I was expecting a little bit more out of. I'll say this about the Rams, though. I don't think they're as bad as people made them out to be either. They still have a top 10 quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Still have the best interior defensive lineman of the last decade. They still have Sean McVay, who was probably just right under Kyle Shanahan as far as his disciples go. And they still put up as many points as the 49ers offense did on Sunday with the supporting cast of guys not named Cooper Cup. Like, that is pretty freaking impressive. So let's not sleep on the Rams here either. Um, This week two game, I think, is going to be an interesting one, an entertaining one, as it always is. Um, but it being at SoFi, I expect a lot of 49er fans to be in the building. It being a regular season game, I expect Kyle Shanahan to get in his bag. And now he has a quarterback who he trusts even more. Like, yo, this one, this one might really be a masterclass from Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. And I'm excited because I think Sean McVay is going to throw the book at him too. So, um, I'm excited. I, I don't think it's going to be like a, a blowout win necessarily. It could be. It could be. The 49ers defense is a hell of a lot better than the Seahawks defense. Um, but I, I think the the Rams are going to put up a fight. But that's a good thing. Like, let them. And uh, I think the 49ers should still come away with a win on this one.
0: See, look, I mean, Steph is always level-headed, smart. She's, you know, an incredible host. You guys know she does a great job. I'm going to disagree, man. I think the 49ers actually wipe the for- <laughs> the, this team. They wipe them, man. Honestly, if you're looking at their skill position players and everything, like that's – styles make fights. I understand that part and everything. But come on, man. I If the 49ers do not decisively win this game by 10, 14 points – I'd be a little concerned myself, just based on roster discrepancy and just based on the fact that their defense is so much better.
1: Defense, too. Yeah, it's the just –
0: The Rams defense. is, is – yeah, it's bad. Um, I expect the 49ers to have their way and do whatever they want. Um, they've done it against better defenses at times against this Rams team. I don't see why that doesn't continue. One kind of funny thing that you noted about Sean McVay scoring 30 points, shout-out to the Play Callers podcast because all four of those coaches – They cooked were in their bag shout out to coach Mike my god coach Mike man that offense that was the most fun game of the entire week hands down man hands down um but all four of the play callers they had their bag they, they were in their bag this week and hey look man I know we're not supposed to talk about other teams but Matt LaFleur what do you have in Jordan Love there buddy I don't know man that looks actually pretty good so uh Rams are just good cardio, let's be honest. Gavin says as well, too. Sure. Divisional games are weird. They can be. But if you're the team that you think, if, if that's the team we think they are, the 49ers, if that's the team that right now everybody's running to put at the top of their power rankings and say that this is a team that's going to be, you know, playing late in the season, then they've got to find a way to decisively win this game just because yeah, they definitely. are better. But yeah, I do, I do think that. People forgot a lot of the things about the Rams because they just lost everybody. But at the same time, the 49ers are much better than them. And, and I think, again, they should handily win this game. Maybe not early on, but if they get out to, like, a 17-0 lead again, like, I'm just I'm going to take a nap during next game. Like, I'm not going to watch the Rams. <laughs> like, they're not coming back. Um, but I think the 49ers are going to be fine in this one. And, and I understand, you know, again, Steph, level-headed. You know, you want to be humble, all that stuff. Me, on the other hand, I'm going to turn up. And I'm not really too worried about the Rams. So, I mean, that's just me, though. That's just
1: me. No, that's that's fair. I wish I could be that confident. But th- my thing is, like, the 49ers sometimes play down to their opponents. And mm-hmm. that's, like, the one thing you don't want to have happen. Divisional games, yes, they are weird. So, you know, I, I see it as, like, anything can happen. But I also look at the 49ers, their roster, everything on paper, And they should handily beat every single team in in the NFL. Like, that's just how I feel about the roster. But that doesn't happen because of, you know, there are other factors in that as well. So, yeah, they should win. I mean, absolutely. And they should beat their ass. But, uh, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. So we'll see. Uh, But I am hoping for your uh, prediction to happen. I hope they wipe the floor with them.
0: I think we all are i mean who, who had more fun than us this past week but uh, i mean besides the dallas cowboys right like it was just like us and the cowboys were literally like cruise control and that's that's a fun thing to be on you know like i do like games to be a little bit more interesting just for you know me like paying attention like i don't like looking at my phone when the other team's on offense because i'm just like i know they're not gonna do anything they're just gonna be three and out and i'll look up and there's another sack but yeah i uh I, you know, competitive games are more fun to watch, but you know, it is kind of fun to just sit there and not worry about anything. But, hey Steph, look, again, and maybe it's because we're just a little like PTSD stricken Things are just going a little too well right now. The vibes <laughs> are like immaculate. I'm waiting. Like, oh, I'm waiting for gotta like. They
1: got to be. They got to be. When's
0: when's the bullet coming? When's the dagger coming? When does the, the rug get pulled out from yeah, under Don't this, say right?
1: that. Don't say that. We got to. I'm
0: just. We got to manifest just, the
1: positivity. I,
0: I mean, I'd love to be positive, but I'm just scared. I'm scared. It's like, it's a little too quiet. It's just a little too quiet right now. Uh, Score prediction, probably 34-17. uh, 34, uh 17. And, and I don't know how they get 17 points in my opinion, but yeah. I got the Niners going back going back and putting up 30 again. I mean, the Steelers have a better yeah, defense than them. Yeah, the Steelers yeah. have a better defense than them and and they they literally did what they wanted. Imagine a division opponent that you're very familiar with and they've lost a bunch of like guys. Like I'm not as worried, but Steph, what a win. What a week. We're talking about more football. We're talking about actual football, no more hypotheticals, um, no more this that. I love this. We're actually talking about football games. We're talking about football players that are playing in football games. We are all the way back. Yes, so back. And we have people that are still somehow negative about this team. We are all the way back, all the way back. So um, that'll do it for us. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell for when we go live. Make sure you're getting the, cold, the the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get all your audio podcasts. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at JasonAponte2103. Follow Gold Standard Podcast Network on Instagram, on Twitter. And go to goldstandard.com uh, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Rob? Uh, you know, c- Correct me if I'm wrong, man. I want to make sure I get that right because the website's uh, booming as well too. So here we go.
1: Goldstandardniners.com. Just, you know. Okay. Exactly Boom. Gold. There
0: you go. Correct me if I'm hey, wrong. Man. And I was wrong. <laughs> So, <laughs> hey, for Steph, for Jay, we're out of here. Have a, have a good week. Peace.